You're listening to Scoreline Extra, the podcast that takes out some of the best highlights from our weekend Scoreline shows on KCLR and brings you some special one-off episodes. In this edition, we're going to hear from Gary Kyo from Marble City Boxing Club as they continue to come up with innovative ways to keep their members active. Carlo athlete Marcus Lawler joined us as he prepares for a busy few months with the Tokyo Olympics still on the horizon. But first up, it's actor, writer, director Baz Black who discusses his training as a jiu-jitsu black belt and how that has helped him achieve his goals in film. Over the past year, we've been kind of dealing with the arts a bit as well and looking at it from a sporting context and you can't merge the two better than the current interview that I'm about to uh, partake in with Mr. Baz Black. He's a professional actor, writer, director, model, drummer and author of a best-selling book, Ink Princess. Also, just a small matter of being a black belt in jiu-jitsu. I'm delighted to be joined on the line now by Baz. Baz, thanks very much for taking the time of day. Thanks, Melvin, for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. If people don't know you, they, you would have been seen on the Tommy Tiernan show very recently, and they would have seen it in films and different uh, TV shows like Into the Badlands on AMC's. So uh, they might have a good visual representation of you now if if they were cast their mind back to that Tommy Tiernan interview. But it's a very impressive, diverse CD, CV uh, from you, Baz. Yeah, um, jack of all trades, master of none. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like to to dabble in, in everything that's um, motivational or uh, anything to do with the arts. Um, so yeah, I uh, I like to keep busy. That's for sure. And when you mention anything to do with the arts, that's all. Obviously, when you think of the arts, you think of the likes of music and you think of the likes of film. But sometimes people forget martial arts also on top of that. And I mentioned that you have a black belt in jiu-jitsu. And boasting such an impressive CV, you'd require a lot of discipline, a lot of time management. Do you think your time studying martial arts and jiu-jitsu has kind of set you up to perfectly embark on such a demanding career? Definitely, yeah. I think um, the discipline that's involved with martial arts um, and the the commitment that you have to have is very similar to anything else that I apply myself to. And um, it was a great foundation for me when I was a young lad because, I mean, like a lot of young lads, I was a bit of a tearaway, you know. And I I did boxing before that, I did karate, but it was really... um, when I joined jiu-jitsu that it really grounded me um, and then as I worked my way up through the, the ranks uh, I was actually getting to a stage where I was teaching jiu-jitsu and I carried that through now to my director it was the first time that I kind of realised that I was good at teaching you know and good at communicating with people and um, so yeah I definitely think they go hand in hand yeah, a lot of the skills uh, I just describing maybe directing is kind of is problem solving, is teaching, is trying to get across to people what you're you're looking from them. So the skills are are somewhat transferable, even though a lot of people wouldn't think that. Um, but you're merging now the two together even more so because you have an upcoming role where you're playing a cage fighter. Were you taking it? Have you taken a time away from jujitsu and you're stepping back into that world now as you're training for um, to be an MMA star, or have you always been keeping that going? Uh, no, I haven't, and I quickly realised that my flexibility is pretty much non-existent. <laughs> I was I was ashamed of myself. Um, no, I mean I maintained the martial arts up to a point but as regards competing like I was on the European Jiu-Jitsu team and I was training six days a week at one stage um, it's a full full time commitment and as the music and the acting stuff started to take off more and more I had to 
make a decision to make that a, a back seat, you know, and then um, picking up injuries and stuff like showing up to set with black eyes and you weren't meant to. And stuff, <laughs> you know, and so back seat. So, um, yeah, this movie is called On Cage. Um, it's written by uh, UK writer and director Francis Saunders, who is actually um, a very successful cage fighter himself. So um, a lot of this comes from his, his own life experience. Um, and yeah, I play uh, an MMA fighter, and it's basically a film about love and betrayal. And there's some big names attached to it. So uh, yeah, just trying to trying to get back into the training side of it. I was training for um, a TV series that I just completed there, and that character uh, I saw him as quite you know shoulder heavy, stocky. So I was doing a different sort of a training. So I have to adapt now to a more cardiovascular training, which is never fun. Yeah, I wanted to touch upon that because, like, you hear method actors and they go proper method. Christian Bale, probably the biggest example of it in in recent memory. But something that kind of struck me when uh, I was, I'm I'm a big fan of film myself. Everyone is a big fan of film. But James McAvoy, when he was training for the M. Night Shyamalan movie uh, Split, he plays this character uh, that's a beast, pretty much. And the way he moves is is very strange. But when you're looking at the training regimen for that, there was specific training set up to make him move in that way and to make his body be able to hold the load of the way he's moving. Are, are you finding now with the cardiovascular and the specific way of training, like, are, do you find training for a cage fighter, like, you have to change your whole routine much? Um, I mean, not completely, but, like, yeah, James McAvoy is a great example, and, I mean, he'd, he'd naturally be quite a slim guy, as I am. Um, and he put on serious muscle mass and he, he worked with movement coaches, you know, and the certain techniques he was doing for that character. And um, I mean, I suppose the closest representation in, in recent years would probably be Tom Hardy and Warrior, you know. Yeah. Like, the size and the fitness regime and the training he did for that movie was incredible. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely adapting and it's it's getting back to the cardio and to the circuit training and all the stuff that I, <laughs> I hate, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's a flexibility as well, you know, just trying to get that back up to some kind of standard. And I keep forgetting, like, I'm 37 now and I'm, I'm not 18 anymore and I used to be able to swing my leg around my head. And um, So, yeah, it is a different kind of, kind of training and um, I'll be back working with um, boxing coaches and pad work and all that in the next few weeks coming up to the, uh, the actual shoot date. Yeah, I, I remember seeing the difference in Tom Hardy and Rock and Rolla and in Bronson, and I, I didn't yeah. even make the connection that they were the same person until about two years later, uh, which which is incredible. And it kind of goes to show that the, the craft of acting it, it needs a lot of discipline. But how do you find the time? Like times on set can be long and arduous. I've I've sat on buses and I'm not needed all day, and then that's twelve hours uh, that you're sitting on a set and you can't really do anything else. Uh, like how do you manage to keep a solid routine going when it comes? to the likes of your cardiovascular fitness or the likes of having to meet with these movement coaches? Yeah, it's really tough because, um, yeah, as you know well, days on set can be 12, 14-hour days stuck in your trailer. Um, it is tough. I mean, you try and time management as, as best as you can, but the schedule changes so frequently on sets that you just don't know. You know, you could sit a full day without actually even getting down onto the set. It just depends on technical setups or whatever. I, I try and bring um, resistant bands with me, um, you know, to try and get some kind of workout going. Try and watch your diet as much as you can. But unfortunately, if it's a role that you're going into playing a cage fighter or whatever it is, 
you, you have to make sure that your training is is all up to standard and done before you actually get down to the set because yeah. then you don't know what way it's going to go. But yeah, it's tough. Like you, you hear stories of the Rock like carrying this whole gym all around the world with him as well, which is which is just incredible to think of. Um, but such a diverse career with the likes of um, being a model, being a drummer, best-selling author, writer, actor, director. How do you step into that world coming from a martial arts world? Is there is there I, I like say going to professional wrestling a lot of guys used to get kind of seen in the gym and they'd stand out and be like oh come into professional wrestling and then they kind of merge themselves in that world did you have a certain look that someone kind of reached out to you or was it always a passion of yours that uh, you wanted to pursue these interests yeah I mean I suppose it's the stereotypical answer every actor answers going oh I always wanted to be an actor but I did um, I did some theatre back when I was a kid Um, unfortunately in Ireland, there's there wasn't much of a support system there for the arts, for drama, or anything to push you along. And it slowly but surely changed a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I always had an interest in it. And then with the tattoos and the look that I have, um, I got approached, kind of roped into the the modelling side of it, you know, just because of the alternative look. And um, I was kind of reluctant at the start. And then I just got used to it and it was fine. And then I got asked to be in like a lot of music videos and, you know, advert campaigns and stuff like that. So through that, then I started kind of getting the bug again that I wanted to, you know, give the the acting a shot. Um, And I've been plugging away at it for the last, I don't know, 10 to 15 years. It's not like an overnight thing. And anybody who knows in this game, it's the, the long game. Um, and because of the looks, I mean, I do get, you know, cast as the villain or the drug dealer. And, you know, they're fun. They're fine. And no complaints there. Um, but you do get typecast. And it's about building relationships with the cast and directors. And I've been lucky with Louise Kiley and Ali Coffey and that, that they've, you know, taken me on board and given me a chance. Um, and then, um, I know, it's Cash 22. But uh, the look does get you in for certain roles that other people aren't going to get in for. Um, but it closes lots of doors as well. And uh, you're saying that you're getting cast in, or, or you you can find yourself getting typecast. Did that then necessitate the need for yourself to become a writer and a director and write your own films? Your film Reflection won seven awards. We've just got information that you won the best film at Shop by the Sea Festival for your new film Merrow. Was that a conscious decision then to, because these roles are... are, are drastically different They're, you're not playing a villain or especially Reflection I've watched that last night it's a fabulous movie uh, it's a short and it's it, it, it really hits home and you get a, a, a great message across in it but was that an, born out a necessity for you to become a writer and a director because of aspersions about you because of the way you look absolutely yeah um, it was when I was uh, training in Bow Street um, acting college and we were enticed uh, to to write our own stuff, and yeah, because I do get typecast, um, I had to go and write my own stuff and put myself, an example for uh, reflection, uh, put myself in it, and people were shocked to see the juxtaposition between this heavily tattooed guy and and um, there's a little girl in it that's lost in the woods on a vulnerable side, you know, and. Uh, when people, I kind of had to show people, and then when people saw it, they were like, "Wow, I never would have, you know, considered you for this role or thought of you like this." And 
it's because we, we judge aesthetically as human beings and I understand that the look is quite strong and quite shocking um, but yeah going and writing my own stuff um, Marrow is like an Irish mythology one I'm not in I just wrote and directed it with my wife um, and again just people just they don't put the look together with what you can um, manufacture you know and it's just there's no bounds for our creativity um, but unfortunately we do judge aesthetically yeah, and tattoos historically would have had a bit of a bad rap being associated with uh, different type of people, and it's probably because of the likes of movies kind of giving that, putting that out there in the world, you know, saying that that person with tattoos is generally the villain. I have, I have quite a few tattoos myself, nowhere on, on the level of yourself, but um, you're a best-selling author of the book Ink Princess then as well, so it would give just to give people a visual that this is something that is heavily involved in your life in terms of tattoos but we've seen Machine Gun Kelly um, recently in the movie The Dirt about uh, Motley Crue uh, fantastic, fantastically enjoyable movie I really enjoyed it I'm a big metal rock fan myself and then I've seen you and you went viral over 10 million hits on covering yourself up in uh, covering your whole body in makeup so the tattoos aren't visible. Would you find that this is a, a route then maybe going forward or for you when it comes to acting or would you be more comfortable just to be wholly as yourself and having these roles written with you in mind the way you look now or would you be open to covering yourself up a, a, a lot more? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd always be open to it and um, I wouldn't look forward to the eight hours of makeup every day. <laughs> Um, but yeah I am open to it But and again it's a conversation that I've had with my agents um, you know whether we put up pictures to, to demonstrate that the tattoos can be covered um, I don't know it's kind of it, it's I don't want to you know um, become someone else just for the sake of getting a job if the job exactly, required yeah. then happy days but I don't really want to market myself because I am who I am and you know um, what I'm trying to do and it's, it's it's taken a long time. It's slowly happening. It's break down the barriers of, you know, people will laugh when um, you get considered for a rom-com. You know, they're like, how the hell could you be in a rom-com? I was like, well, why the hell not? You know, it's like people have this stigmatization that, oh, just because you look like this, you can't play this character, you know? So I'm kind of knocking on the doors, just trying to break down those barriers. And the likes of Netflix and Amazon, you do see a lot more diversity um, coming onto the screen, which is great. So yeah, the covering of the tattoos, it's always an option, but uh, it's not something I really want to market myself for. And just showing that video um, was, again, it was just a mental health positivity video that the, the guy in the video that I wrote and direct when I covered myself was miserable in an office job. Uh, and then it follows him home. And when he takes the makeup off and he reveals himself and he's a drummer with his band, that's his true self that he's been hiding from the world. Yeah, it's a, I, I've been in that situation myself, having to put on a suit and tie for six years before I was fortunate enough to be able to get a chance at doing what I currently do, so I can relate to that. In terms of what's on the horizon now for you, we know that uh, you mentioned that you have a series coming up, you have a complete filming on a Netflix TV series, uh, The New Eye. People will know uh, Aidan Gillen from the likes of Love, Hate and Game of Thrones. You've been cast alongside himself in a, in a new crime series called Kin. So there's lots to look forward to, but from a personal perspective, are you looking to be more in front of the camera, behind the camera, focus on your music? I know motivational speaking is something that you're interested in getting involved in or currently are involved in. Yeah, I mean, um, we have a production company, Sherlock Productions, um, which we put the two short films out 
through um, and we do some commercial stuff through that and I've just completed the script on my feature film Dublin Crust um, which is about a punk band in the early 90s um, kind of taken from my own experience when I was in a, a crazy punk band <laughs> so uh, yeah there's a few stories in that so that'll be uh, one of the main concentrations um, for this year and then there's lots of stuff that was shot last year the year before that's coming out as well uh, Dredges which is a big gangster movie that will be out soon um, uh, Final Descent I'm signed up to film on uh, a science fiction film from Wes Brogan and then I'll be heading over to the UK to start on Caged so yeah it's busy in that regard and, and music wise you know yourself I mean I've loads of gigs booked with the two bands but they've all just been postponed so we just don't know when, when we're going to get back to that and as regards acting and behind the camera, I think longevity and um, I will be pushing behind the camera because, again, with the, the tattooed look, it'll get you so far and I'll keep plugging away at it. But uh, I just love films. I love making films. And um, so if I can just be involved in any regard, whether it's writing, directing or acting, uh, I'll pursue it as best I can. Certainly, it's a it's a pleasure to be involved in that industry. I'm sure, especially at the level that you're at, and it's been a it's been great talking to you, Baz. If people want to follow you along and follow your journey, how can they check you out? I'd imagine Instagram, Twitter, and the like. Yeah, all the, all the likes. Uh, Instagram's Baz Black Piercer, and Twitter's Baz Black, or Facebook, or any of those. I'm on. I'm on pretty much all of them. Uh, so just Baz Black, you'll find me. And uh, Sherlock Productions is the production company name. So yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you and thanks again for having me. And enjoy the rest of that beautiful day. I'm sorry that I had to take up some of your time, but it's, uh, I, I'm looking at it and I have one little sliver of light coming in a window here that I can still see, but I can still see it's great. So I appreciate yeah. it. I better go do some training. <laughs> <laughs> Baz, thanks very much. Have a great day, sir. That was Baz Black in conversation with Shane O'Keefe on Scoreline this past weekend. Up next, Carlo athlete Marcus Lawler joined us on the phone as he prepares for a busy few months with the Olympics on the horizon. Mr. Marcus Lawler, fresh from the Irish indoor meet last week in athletics. Marcus, thanks very much for joining us on this beautiful Sunday. No problem, Shane. I'm glad to come on and chat. <laughs> a bit of a different weekend this weekend as opposed to last weekend anyway. Yeah, no, it was uh, brilliant to have the opportunity and to run last weekend and we were obviously in a very privileged position to be able to run the, the few people that did get to run because there were very small fields that ran and um but yeah, no, we're we're t- I have a week off now so I'm taking it easy this weekend as opposed to a hectic last weekend, yeah. Yeah, so it was the Irish Life Health Elite uh, athlete indoor micro meet 2021 that's a big long name anyway uh, but uh, it, w- was this your first time back out on the track now in some time um, to be honest Shane it wasn't because um, generally indoors kicks off around January time and um, I suppose there was very little happening in, in Ireland um and just for obvious reasons, I suppose. But um, at the end of the day, I worked so hard over the winter, and I had to race. So I flew to um, Vienna, and I flew to France to race twice before the micro meet as well. So I actually had three outings. Um, so look, it was great to it was great to to do them all, and um, they all presented their own different challenges, I suppose. Yeah, I can imagine. We were talking to Molly Scott there not so long ago, and she was saying, you know, the travel really does happen to take it out here as well. So having one in Ireland was. Must have been a, a bit of a dream. 
Yeah, it was. And I suppose the one in Ireland was run extremely well and uh, it was extremely strict. Um, it was certainly very, very different, but it was definitely um, a lot stricter than even the other two meetings I was at, which I suppose was great. And there was a lot of protocols in place, but um, it certainly made life easier because I can tell you that going to France and going to Vienna, it was not straightforward, but um, I had to go there and I had to put myself on the line. Um, so, But yeah, having the one last weekend in Ireland was great um, I suppose I was a little bit disappointed with my own performances but um, it's still important to get out and race you know yeah, I was just going to ask you about that. You placed second in the men's 200 and uh, you did well in the 60 metre as well, but uh, you came second to the likes of uh, Leon Reed. Um, w- w- were you surprised with Leon Reed's pace in the 200 or was it a case of maybe not being at your maybe best form from your own point of view? Um, I suppose, Shane, last season uh, in the indoors in 2020, I seemed to have a better series of runs. I, I ran 21-0, I ran 20-92, and I ran a 21-04. And this year I started out in Vienna and I ran 21-2, uh, 21-3 in France, and I only ran a 21-2 last weekend. And I had no complaints. Like I thought my preparation was very good going in and um, I was certainly going for the win, but... Um, I just wasn't I wasn't up to scratch on the day and I done a lot right in the race um, my main focus is on the 200 anyway the 60 I suppose is kind of a bit of a bonus but um, I was a little bit disappointed um, look obviously Leon is a great athlete and we're we're developing a rivalry over the last couple of years and um, it's great to have good battles but uh, I think it, it after my own performance I suppose we have to look back and see where we can improve and how we can get better but uh, certainly my series of runs this year indoors uh, weren't as good as last year but there's such fine margins Shane like you're talking 0.2 of a second or 0.3 of a second so um, Yeah I've seen that and uh, it, it's 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 crazy the way it can come down to something like that uh, you kind of touched upon it there um, with the 200 metre and the 60 metre do they both get equal importance going into it is there different types of a mentality that you have to go into each race I suppose uh, there, was an, there was two kind of immediate goals that we were looking at for this indoor season it would have been a bonus to go to the European Championships for the 60 metres um, had I run the standard now I, I didn't run the standard so I won't be going but 60 metres has been hit and miss for me kind of for the last couple of years and uh I suppose it was kind of just um, it was sort of it wasn't I wasn't hugely hinging on it um, but there was a great opportunity in the 200 to run um, a fast time and it would have helped slightly towards probably my Olympic uh, ranking position this year um, but I didn't run quick enough to maybe affect my ranking so um, a little bit disappointed all in all but my main focus was on the 200 Um but, uh, yeah, like, I mean, look, I was kind of carrying that disappointment into the 60 the next day. It was hard to uh, yeah. it was hard to get rid of it, you know. But uh, you have to refocus and you have to step back on the line and, and go again. Uh, and what's the knock-on effect now in regards to, you, you're saying the European indoors and you, you, you talk about uh, Olympic times as well. What's the, what was the knock-on effect then from the, the, the indoor micro-meet then last weekend? Yeah, for me, it probably didn't affect anything as such. I didn't better my position in the Olympic rankings and I didn't qualify for the European indoors. But at the end of the day, I got a great kind of response from racing. Um, and it's important to keep in touch with racing. And obviously, outdoors is really where it's at. But um, there is no 200 metres in the European indoors, which is uh, disappointing too. Yeah. I'd love to go out and do a 200 there. Um, and then the 60, look, it, I... I 
I mean, I probably was just a small bit off the pace in that too as well, but it was great to kind of go and sharpen myself and kind of challenge myself in an event that um, I'm probably not not as strong at, you know. And, and much has been said about, say, the Olympics coming up in, in, in Tokyo and there's... Uh, I, not controversy but a bit of apprehension about going ahead and about athletes going over there what's the the feeling like amongst the circle of athletes that that you're training with or certainly that you're getting to meet on the indoor meets is is it all is the preparation just all focused on this olympics definitely going ahead yeah i suppose i've been asked that question a couple of times as well and um I kind of, I sort of have been answering it that um, the general feeling is that it is going ahead, and that's all we can go on. But um, I suppose Mam put me in check a couple of weeks ago. She just said, "I mean, I can't worry about really is it going ahead or not. I need to make sure that I have my uh, ticket booked, and that means performing well in the lead up to it. So um, I am in a healthy position." Um, for qualification right now but um, like a league table in soccer I suppose it can go up and down and lads can jump each other and um, I just have to do all I can to make sure that my performances are in check to uh, better my own position on the rankings and I can't really worry about whether it's going ahead or not but the general feeling is that it's, it is going ahead um, and that's all we can go on I suppose and I think it is important that it goes ahead too because um, it's great that the European indoors are going ahead as well. I was just saying this morning that you know it's a big step forward for sport, I suppose, and everything got cancelled around this time last year. And I think it's important to see major sporting events going ahead now. You know. And what was that like then, being seeing all these meets being cancelled um, last year? Did you're talking about training in preparation for the Olympics, but? Coming off the year that we've had, you were probably training in preparation for a lot of other competitions that have been curtailed due to the pandemic. What what was that like then from your own perspective? Because we touch upon it quite a bit, especially in GA terms, that you know people are are not machines. At the end of the day, you can't just turn no. them on. You can't just turn them on and off. You can't just decide I'm going to get my body in peak physical condition for this date and then have that date pushed and then continue to try and keep that body in peak physical condition. So was it hard last year to? to be able to do that for yourself or was it something due to your many years involved in athletics that kind of came naturally yeah no it certainly was hard it definitely presented challenges and in a way it's a pity it was because I came off a really good 2019 summer season um, and I seemed to have a really good indoor season last year and everything was really in check um, I picked up a small injury after indoors but I don't think it would have hindered me too much but when I saw the, I suppose the events getting cancelled last year I did lose my motivation to be honest and um, it was very hard to keep going and keep training at the same intensity without having a goal at the end of it And um, but then in fairness to the people around Ireland and small little meets and um, small little clubs I suppose in Ireland that and AAI that did put on the national seniors and um, there was meets that I that I did partake in um, and in fairness like massive well done to the people involved in them to put them on because it gave me a focus for kind of 8 or 10 weeks and I did get in a nice a nice bit of training during that time then and uh, I actually got into a Diamond League last year last minute um, I had actually wrapped up my season and um, I ended up getting on a flight to Belgium and going over to that Diamond League too so um, I had a decent enough season last year considering 
everything that went on but I certainly did um, uh, lose my motivation for a while um, but when the meets kind of came back on and smaller meets it gave me a little focus to kind of uh, target again but Having said all that, when I came back into winter training this year in October, I was actually extremely motivated and that sort of, I won't call it a break, but that kind of downtime almost helped me in my winter training this year. I've had no hiccups as such and I was extremely motivated and I was very hungry and uh, I'm still very hungry to get better and get back at it next week and and get prepared for outdoors, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say because the... The life that you're leaving must be hectic, travelling, training, diet. So, like, that time for recovery might have been, I, I wouldn't say an upside, but it might have been a bit of a positive to be able to kind of allow yourself to recover as well. So, swings and roundabouts, I suppose. Um, so, going forward, the focus is on the Olympics 2021 Tokyo, and uh, you're you're quite happy to kind of just keep striving towards that. Um, so we're looking forward to seeing everything that uh, happens with yourself, and of course Molly Scott who had a great weekend and a great weekend for the club St Lawrence O'Toole's. Um, what why is it about that club that that allows athletes like yourself and, and and Molly as well as countless others to really harness their abilities and showcase them on the big stage? Look for um, Molly had obviously done extremely well. Um, to to get her to get her standard and and get out there uh, to to go to the Europeans and like hopefully she does really well and I wish her all the best out there. Um, but uh, yeah, like we look, IT Carlo have been a massive support to me too, and I've created like kind of my own, I suppose, team around me. And I think you have to paddle, paddle your own canoe and be a master of your own ship and drive it forward yourself. Um, and uh, surround yourself with I suppose good people and good coaching team around me. And um, I'm doing a good bit of work in the Institute of Sport as well so um, yeah I think I just think it's important to be really focused and really determined and motivated in, in your training and um, have that kind of internal motivation to kind of drive forward and uh, strive for those championships and um, I suppose like you said the main focus is now heading into outdoors obviously the European Inners won't be a factor for me but we kind of have an 8 to 10 week block now before outdoors where we can really I suppose whip the team around me into shape and put a plan in place and um, really drive it forward from there yeah well, Marcus, it's a pleasure getting to speak to you. We'll be keeping in touch uh, throughout your journey towards Tokyo anyway, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do a live broadcast from when you're over there. Yeah, yeah, well, look, like I said, hopefully I'll be able to um, to book my ticket on the plane first. I am in a healthy position, but uh, I think there's still a lot to play for, and just hopefully that I have a really good outdoors, and hopefully I can solidify my place um, on the team, and uh, that would be great if it all came to fruition, and um, yeah, just fingers crossed for uh, a good outdoor season ahead. Yeah, well, we wish you nothing but the best, and uh, same with Molly as well. Thanks for taking the time today on this beautiful day as well. I'm sure you want to kind of uh, sit back now and rest, and uh, kind of just look forward to what's coming ahead. Yeah, no, it's great to see the sun out today, and it's great that all the people are out and about and uh, get out and enjoy it and uh, get active and kind of go for a walk and go for a run or cycle, and uh, it's brilliant. It certainly has a, a the weather has a big impact on people's mood, so um, yeah, it's great to see the the sun shining. Yeah, it certainly is, Marcus. Thanks very much for taking the time of day. Yeah, cheers, a mi- cheers. Thanks a million, Shane. Thank uh- you. Last but by no means least, we hear from Gary Kyo from Marble City Boxing Club as they continue to come up with innovative ways to keep their members active. 
Yes, Gary Kyo from Marble City Boxing Club and he's joining us on the line. Gary, thanks very much for taking the time out of this beautiful day for picking up the phone and having a chat. Shane, how are things? Not too bad, sir. Not too bad. How's things going with yourself and how's things going with the club in general? We know that a lot of clubs have been really badly affected with uh, the pandemic, not being able to have people actually in the facility and training. How have you been managing? Yeah, look, I suppose, Shane, you know, it, it's, been, it's been challenging, to say the least, um, since the club closed down. It's, um, it's almost a year to today now since the Marble City Boxer last uh, graced the ring, um, which, is, which is hard to leave. But um, in the meantime, you know, we've, we've actually kept very busy. Um, we, we've managed to adapt. And we've run an awful lot of training sessions online. So we've had to, you know, we, we have had to adapt and switch over to the online training platform. So we've been running a lot of our sessions off Zoom. So we've, we've done one or two sessions every week right now on Zoom. And I suppose, as, as a lot of people know, Shane, the online training sessions, look, they are very good. Um, they'll never be as good as the real thing, um, but they, they have been very beneficial to the boxers. We've, we've been able to improve on the fundamentals and the basics, um, which is essential for any young boxer. Um, and the, maybe the sessions, as the first lockdown went on, became a small bit monotone, and we kind of had to change them up and keep them fresh. So in the meantime, what we've actually done... We've got an awful lot of uh, established former senior elite champions um, and strength and conditioning coaches on board to take training sessions. So just in the last couple of weeks now, we've had um, Adam Noel and Joe Ward, two former Olympians. We've had European and World Championship medalists and Eric Donovan, Sean McCool and Declan Garrity. And we've had uh, a couple of professionals, uh, professional champions, including Tommy McCarthy, current uh, European champion, uh, on with us. So, you know, we, we've managed to, to keep the sessions very fresh. Um, the boxers are, are loving the sessions at the minute and it's, it's, it's been very beneficial to them. So it's, it's all going good at the minute. Yeah, when you're bringing in these kind of names that people know and obviously uh, Joe Ward, one of the most successful amateur boxers uh, ever, uh, when you're bringing in these people, um, is, are you noticing the interest in going up? Because obviously you have to maintain an interest, but when you're releasing this information that you're having these top calibre people coming in and uh, coaching on behalf of Marble City Boxing, albeit via um, streaming or Zoom or internet means, are, are you noticing more people kind of getting in touch and going, oh, well, they, they're still doing some serious business here? Oh, absolutely. Look, the, the attendance has always been good since the very beginning of the lockdown. You know, I think the boxers in our club, you know, they deserve tremendous credit. You know, it's I, I've kind of been blown away myself just by the dedication from the young boxers we have in the club. You know, they, they never lost heart from the from the minute the club was actually closed last March, and they've they've, met, they've managed to keep attending all the sessions, um, which has been which has been really good. And the the sessions have the attendance has gone through the roof now since we've had different guest speakers on you know it's, it's amazing with the online training we've managed to connect our boxers who are all based around to Kenny Carlo and these we've managed to connect those with the likes of Joe Ward who's currently in Mexico at the moment and Declan Garrity's in Spain you know we've managed to, to transcend kind of the globe at the minute with, with our training sessions so the attendance has been always very good but it has improved even over the last couple of weeks which, which has been brilliant and I, like obviously we know that being there in in person is the most ideal circumstances to learn to train but then to learn off these people that mightn't have happened as you said they're all over the globe so it mightn't have happened had this not uh, been a necessity um, when when it comes to actual the likes of sparring and stuff like that we know that's an integral part of somebody's development and somebody's youth would you be concerned at all that um, athletes aren't getting the chance to have this part of their training at, at maybe an ideal time in their development you know look obviously the, the sparring is, is, is 
in the same sense of any boxers training and you know it's, it's the majority of the boxers it's their favourite part of the training is actually sparring amazingly you know getting, actually getting into ring and getting to hit someone it, uh, it, it seems to be their favourite part of the training but um, yeah look they're they're improving on on the fundamentals, which is which is more important in a, in a young boxer's development. You know, to learn the proper techniques and, and the, the proper footwork to improve their overall development is much more important. If they can if they can gather that even from the online training sessions, when we come back to the club, you'd imagine that we'll be able to accelerate their development much quicker. You know, with the sparring and the pad work. Once they have the fundamentals down to a T, it's much easier to progress a boxer up to the ranks, and and that's what we found. And with the online training sessions. It's, it's been a lot more technical aspects orienta- orientated, you know, so we hope when we get back to the club that it, it won't take as long to get our boxers up to the, the sharpness required for championships and we expect when we when we do get the green light eventually and, and hopefully soon that um, we'll be ready for whatever's thrown at us in whatever championship that may be. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that the technique, uh, obviously uh, such an important part of it and uh, it's interesting that you say that that has a chance to maybe excel and then they can work back from there as opposed to maybe getting in the ring and having some bad habits due to defending themselves. They are, they're being taught the proper technique. It's a very interesting aspect that you're you're, you're looking at there. How, how was it then during uh, lockdown? You got to come back in some capacity albeit boxing was one of the last things to come back how how was the training then and are you anticipating the same type of training when people return to the ring yeah obviously when we were allowed to return to the club we were back in the club maybe for five weeks in total before we were shut down again um, and it was our membership obviously was reduced massively um, we had 100 and, uh, 140 members in the club before the first lockdown um, and we could only take back 30 unfortunately when we returned and that was even during, we, we were only allowed to train under pod circumstances. So have maybe 10 boxers in the club at any given time with the three metres social distance between each. You know, so again, there was a lot of technical work even when we were in the club. Um, we, we weren't allowed to do any sparring or pad work at that time. Um, so the, the online training and when we were in the club, the last uh, period of time there, it, it's very much similar. There hasn't been an awful lot of change to it. So I'd hope that when we do eventually get to go back, um, you know, that we will be allowed to get back to some sparring and some pad work because the boxers seem to, that's one of their favourite parts about the training sessions is getting to get in and, uh, and do pads and sparring. So hopefully when we do get back, you know, restrictions will be eased slightly and uh, we can get back to what, what they all love doing. And looking then ahead, obviously competition is such an integral part of boxing and meeting people from different uh, jurisdictions and being able to put your wits up against the, the best of the country. Has there been any, I know it's hard to maybe make a plan and we've seen the likes of the GEA have plans pushed back, but has there anything been passed down to your club because you've been successful at various different levels over the past few years to say, look, we have tentatively planned a competition coming up in maybe August or, or anything like that and have you been able to tell your your boxers that look this is could be happening so maybe getting getting ready for that is going to be a big thing and or is it is it a case of that we're even further away than we anticipate because people need to put in the the time in the ring before they get there yeah look we, we have heard a lot of rumors kind of circulating around that there is talk of of an open an outdoor um competition coming throughout the summer is where it's kind of planned for and penned in for obviously that's going to depend on on the situation we'll find ourselves in at that moment in time but you know it's, it's something at least it's, it's a glimmer of hope to work towards you know that you know if there is an outdoor competition um, you know under a marquee of course um, that 
the boxers, you know, can look forward to something or they can they can set their goals and set their sights on something because it is very difficult to train and they have been training for a year solid now with, with no competitive action. Um, so it is something to look forward to and maybe work towards and just keep, keep them, um, you know, training. Uh, that's If they have something to work towards, it's much easier to keep them training. Whereas if they have nothing, you know, it makes it very difficult on any boxer, on any individual in any sport to continue training if there's nothing to work towards. So that's going to take the school for And obviously, look, with those guest speakers and bringing in different coaches, uh, specialists, such as like, we had another one with Shane Fitzgibbon, who's a, he was a strength conditioning coach. He was Ford's international youth strength and conditioning coach of the year back in 2015. You know, he came on and joined the first session as well. And it's just by the big names, you know, that have come on and joined the session. It's kept the interest, you know, and it's, it's, it's maintained their interest in the sport and training. So hopefully look to championships resume um, at the, in the summer is what we're hoping anyway. Uh, does the fact that Eddie Hearn has his uh, boxing still going on and there's some big fights happening Canelo and Saunders has just been announced for May 8th does the fact that that's still going on as well um, kind of invigorate your, your boxers because with the sport still going on maybe there's still that want and being able to kind of look into the ring and go that's going to be me in the next year and uh, overall what have you made of Eddie Hearn's uh, kind of continuing putting on these big fights journey oh sure look Eddie, Eddie Hearn there's a reason saying he's the leading promoter in the world at the moment. You know, he, he's managed to, to pull all the big fights. Um, and, you know, he has kept a lot of people's interest in the sport by by creating history, you know, by by making fight camp during the summer just gone. Um, you know, if you had said that back in March of last year, you know, everyone had said you were crazy to talk about an outdoor event where boxers had come, they'd stay in a hotel for a week and quarantine and then compete. You know, no one had thought that was possible, but he constantly defies the logics and, you know, he has brought all the biggest fights to, to the world stage um, and he's continuing to do so. But it, it has, it, look, it's, it's kept our boxers' interest even watching the likes of Eddie Hearns and watching the boxer that is continuing go, going ahead and you can see now even a couple of other countries now have started running their juvenile and their, their youth championships at the minute and we've seen Italy are starting their national youth championships next weekend and it just gives a small bit of hope that maybe ours aren't too far away. You know that we're not too far away. We just have to keep keep working away and keep plugging away, and eventually they will come back. You know, you just got to maintain that hope and keeping people interested is paramount um, one boxing fight that is probably the big money fight and I'd like to get your opinion on it is the, obviously the Tyson Fury Anthony Joshua fight that's as I said that, that that's probably the biggest fight that I can remember in recent memory between two huge names in the boxing industry uh, what's your thoughts on that would you be a Fury man or an AJ man I'd have to say I, I, I'd be a Fury man um, just from the entertainment point of view um, you know I think you know Styles make fights and I do think it will be a, an absolute massive fight you know it's kind of on par with um, Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather back in 2015 um, it's it's just two huge stars of the sport and it'll be a colossal event when it does take place um, obviously hopefully it takes place when, when fans are allowed back because I think the atmosphere will be just electric if fans are allowed back to the arena for that fight so I, I think myself, Fury uh, will edge the fight. All right, I think he's. Uh, I think he's more schooled. Um, I think he's just naturally gifted. Um, I think Anthony Joshua's done phenomenal in the sport and what he's done. But I just think that uh, Tyson Fury will edge that fight. Um, 
that's that's my own opinion on it anyway. Yeah, that, that I'm looking forward to that. Well, probably the most I've been looking forward to a fight in a, in, in a number of years. And it, just as you alluded to, the entertainment factor of Tyson Fury, and just it, it seems like it was always destined to happen. Uh, Gary, how can people, if they're liking what they're hearing, how can people get in touch? How can this can new members still register their interest in the club, or is it closed off for now? What, what what's the story? No, look, I've had a lot of people now saying they've been interested over the last couple of weeks, wanting to get involved in training sessions and, you know, wanting to start up. And especially, look, what they'd always say is, these online training sessions, for people that want to give the boxing a go, um, you know, the fundamentals is, is what's most important when you start boxing. If you can learn the proper technique and how to punch and how to move and how to defend yourself, you know, you're easy to coach then when the club eventually does get back going. So there's a lot of people who contacted me. You know, if, if you just send me a message on Instagram, uh, Gary shows the name on Instagram, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. We'll, we'll try and run a couple more extra Zoom sessions um, and, and help the next generation of boxers. There's, there's an awful lot of talent around in Kilkenny and Carlo, you know, that maybe want to try the boxing but have been afraid to come through the doors. You know, they can join in on our online training sessions. If they like what they see, you know, the door is always open. So when we eventually do get back to the club, They'll feel much more comfortable coming through those doors, and they'll see it's 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 one huge family is what's there. Um, you know, everyone is welcome in the club, um, both male and female. And you know, competitive boxing starts from 11 years of age. So anyone out there, just get in contact with me on Instagram, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can, and we can we can kick on from there. And we're looking forward to seeing what happens with Marble City Boxers over the coming few months. And obviously we'll be in touch as soon as the doors get back open to get a rundown on everything that's going on in the ring. Gary, thanks very much for taking the time of day, sir. Thanks very much for that, Jane. We'll talk soon. And there you have it for this edition of Scoreline Extra. If you like what you hear and you want more highlights from the show, you can subscribe to Scoreline Extra now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you do your podcast listening, in the KCLR app or online at scoreline.ie. And of course, you can catch the live shows weekends from 2 on KCLR. Finally, if you like your sports podcasts, check out our new rugby podcast, The Knock On with Stephen Byrne, with new episodes available weekly. You can also find The Clash Act all things MMA and the Football Manager Football Show all streaming now at scoreline.ie